All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tacovas want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tacovas is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tacovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to tacovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade, or at least grab an extra latte. After getting a Chime checking account with features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe, no minimum balance requirements, and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com goals24. That's chime.com goals24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host. Good morning. Good morning. It is the morning. I got up early today, sort of, uh, to record the show before we head down to Trustmark Park. Uh, it's been a, been a busy few days. I was in my hometown of Columbia, Mississippi yesterday. So good to see so many people that... Uh, Really, I only get to see when I'm down there. And then also, too, people that I hadn't seen in a long time. My, my former seventh grade science teacher, Miss Dot Fortenberry, always turns out for the book signings uh, there in Columbia. Very grateful for everybody that came out. Uh, we'll be at Trustmark Park tonight. Let you know, guys know, too, there will be a limited number of books available for purchase at the College Corner tent at Trustmark Park tonight. So if you're going to be in attendance for Mississippi State's college baseball game against Southern Miss, and you haven't picked up a book, you can get there and uh, get a book there. So I will be with those fine folks uh, this morning, excuse me, this afternoon, uh, prior to the games. If you get there early, you'd like to get personalization, I'll be there. I don't expect those quantities to last long. So if you get there early, don't mess around, and I'll uh, put some social media postings out too. I suspect they'll sell whatever they have. Uh, but I'll do that prior to the game. Now, I, the, if they have inventory left, it'll still be available for purchase during the game. But I will be uh, covering the game. But uh, if you're headed down there, uh, you can get that taken care of. Now, uh, baseball win yesterday. I won't call it a big win by any stretch of the imagination. We're going to break down the game. Uh, but, yeah, there, there are still some offensive issues with this team. And I, I don't know how anybody could uh, look at it and say otherwise. There are a few things that I plan to say about that in the next segment of the show. Uh, but the reality of it is we did get the win. Could have been a very embarrassing loss, to say the least. But uh, we do get the win. I'm not going to pour them out the win at any point. I mean, sometimes baseball is just baseball. You have a bad day. You run into a pitcher that's having a good day, and sometimes things don't work out the way you hope. Uh, but the reality of it is State wins the ball game, advances the record to, uh, what is it, 5-3 and three now? We'll play a pretty good Southern Miss team tonight. 
uh, and, and listen, those games in Trustmark are big, and State's had a pretty good record, you know, at uh, Trustmark the last few years and, and done a really good job against uh, Southern Miss. So this is a Southern Miss team that many people expect to uh, compete for their conference championship and a team that uh, last year at times was uh, kind of on the bubble as a potential host team, just didn't win enough down the stretch. But it is a team that we do expect to make uh, the College World Series uh, tournament field Probably won't make it to Omaha, but certainly should be a solid number two somewhere in the region, regional. But um, big potential RPI opportunity for us. And uh, I've, I've read some comments, too, people like, oh, our RPI is this. That had, it, none of that means anything at this point. The SEC schedule is going to take care of every bit of that. We just got to win. Simple as that. You win, RPI takes care of itself. Is State a potential top eight seed? I think they are. But the reality of it is we got to swing the bats better. And, again, we continue to find out some things about this pitching staff as they evolve. And one of the things that I would like to point out, too, there are a lot of times, too, I see these criticisms of, of some of our pitchers, and some of that's warranted, okay? Let's just be honest about it. But in order to find some rhythm, you've got to get guys some reps. You've got to get guys some innings. You've got to get them on the mound in the midweek to see what they can do. Somebody's got to pitch those innings. And, and last night we did a good job. Uh, Pitching-wise, in that ball game, I don't think there's any question about it. Uh, Parker Stinnett is a guy that's been a little bit up and down this year, uh, but had, I believe, his best outing of the year and earns the win last night. But uh, you got five games. I mean, you can't throw Landon Sims every game. You know, that's how it was last year. Right? It's like, let's just bring in Sims. You know, it's a midweek against, uh, you know, Pearl River Community College. Let's bring in Sims. You got to get those guys some innings. You got to get them some reps. You got to let them throw to live hitters for them to kind of get better, to improve, to fine-tune their skills a little bit. And so we saw some of that last night. And uh, pretty pretty happy with what we saw, to be quite honest with you, on the pitching side. The offensive side, not nearly uh, as optimistic uh, about last night. But, uh, again, there are some things you look at, too, that make those games a little dicier than maybe perhaps people would like them to be. But uh, we'll break that down here in the next segment of the show. Also, too, Mississippi State – Going to host Auburn this evening, last home game of the regular season slate. And I understand, too, that the Auburn fan base is uh, busing in fans and students you know, for the game. They've been uh, very active with that all year long. There are a lot of people that want to see this team play. It's difficult at times to get tickets to see Auburn play at home. So expect a lot of orange and blue at the Humphrey Coliseum tonight. I know some people have said, man, it's going to be awfully embarrassing if – Auburn has more fans at our home game than we do, and there is a good chance of that happening. Simple as that. Going to be a lot of a lot of fans there that are not cheering for the home team. So those of you that are in attendance, and I know with us playing baseball in, in Pearl and playing basketball the same night, the, the chances of us having a, a big home crowd, not very good. So a really good chance we get outdrawn in our own arena. And I would say that, too. It's one of those things that uh, – you know, attendance at Humphrey Coliseum on the men's side has been lagging for the last couple of years. And my hope is that's one of the things that, that changes. I hope that that becomes like an entertainment destination uh, for our fan base here in the years ahead as we begin to kind of uh, take some steps to put this men's basketball program on more solid ground. Uh, on the women's side, the ladies will play the University of Kentucky in a first-round game in the Southeastern Conference Tournament. Uh, that, that event gets underway today with a couple of uh, – you know, down the bracket type games. You know, it's the uh, what, what, 
13, 14, or 11, 14, 12, and 13 uh, games today. And we'll play tomorrow. We'll preview all of this uh, on today's show. I want to thank you guys for being with us today. And, again, if you hadn't done so, go to dogpilethebook.com, order books. Uh, just kind of remind you guys, too, we're out of inventory in the Starkville warehouse. There are probably, I don't know, maybe 300 books left in uh, Madison. And so more books are on the way. It'll be here late next month. So we'll be, we'll be pushing you out to vendors here probably in a week's time. And there are some signings coming up, as you guys are aware, too, that uh, you know, they've already allocated some books for those signings. But the reality of it is, is the first printing is nearly gone. The first printing is nearly gone. And uh, thank you guys so much for, for your purchase. And, and so many of you guys, too, have been very patient through this process because you ordered books and, and didn't get them for some time. And so uh, there's only a handful of people now, I guess, that uh, we've had some issues with the post office and that sort of stuff. But the uh, reality of it is, is we're getting these books out quickly as we can. Matter of fact, before I head to Pearl, I will swing by the publisher and uh, sign those books for the recent online orders and uh, get those things in the mail. We've had some people that have bought books on Wednesday and got them on Thursday. Pretty crazy how they work sometimes. But uh, let's get into the show. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Love those folks too, man. I know what I'm going to get when I go to Bulldog Burger Company. And I don't mean necessarily what I'm going to order. I know that I'm going to get a quality experience. I know that I'm going to get my money's worth when I go to Bulldog Burger Company. Whether it be the Sloppy Joe Sliders or the Pimentology Ad Bacon, uh, whether it be that BLT salad, which you can get fried or grilled. See, I got it right. So many good things are to choose from. I know when I go sit down at Bulldog Burger Company, I'm going to get a quality service, a quality meal at a great price. The portions are fantastic. You get more than you pay for at Bulldog Burger Company. You're never going to leave there wanting more, if you know what I'm saying. You're going to leave satisfied with your meal. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive right here in Stark Vegas. Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. And then, of course, in the Lakewood Flowood area, uh, you can go uh, Lakewood, Lakeland, Flowood, Ridgeland area on Lakeland Drive there. Go by and check those guys out. Do a great job. Uh, tell Ian Few down there, my friend, that, that I said hello. You never know. You never know what's going to happen. Guy's a great guy. Get that chocolate shake to go. Have the spring rolls as your appetizer. They will make you and everybody around you better looking. It is absolute science. Okay, let's get into baseball. A lot to talk about, for sure. So former Louisiana Gatorade Player of the Year Jack Walker earns his first college start. Jack was a little bit up and down in his first appearance, and that's to be expected. I mean, you put a true freshman out there, uh, you know, against a quality opponent, you're going to have some mixed results. But uh, Jack is a guy that we're really high on. We expect him to be a weekend guy at some point in his career. And he comes out and really does a good job. I mean, a really good job yesterday. Let's get it started. Top of one. Grambling goes one, two, three in the inning, and Jack picks up a pair of strikeouts. Bottom of first state also goes one, two, three. Drew McGowan, your leadoff hitter yesterday, still trying to get that settled. That's the thing, too. We talked about that. Mike Nemeth and I talked about that extensively uh, during the preseason. Who's your leadoff guy? Well, we've tried R.J. Yeager there. We've tried Matt Quarter there. We've tried Drew McGowan there. We've had Cameron James there. And uh, I really think Cameron James needs to be in the two-hole, possibly the three-hole. I like him hitting ahead of Luke Hancock. Good speed on the bases. Uh, Luke's a guy that's going to put the ball in play. Uh, but I don't know that Cam is the traditional leadoff hitter. That's not to say that he couldn't go out there and do it for us. But I think we need him in, in more RBI opportunities. 
He has been doing a good job getting on base. Didn't necessarily hit the baseball well yesterday, but Cam is a guy that, uh, you know, if we don't have Cam James at third base last year, we don't win an AFL championship. And that, that's as bluntly as I can put it. That wasn't the only move we needed to make, but that was one that was very significant. Not only did it shore up things defensively, but it also opened up that DH spot for us to bring Kellum Clark into the lineup late. Uh, but a 1-2-3 inning for State. Uh, top of second. And again, Jack, you know, rolling pretty good here. We get another K-swing open. Give up the first single of the day. And there's back-to-back that put uh, runners on the corners. We get a wild pitch, which allows the run to score. And then it's a K looking and then a line out to third. But, you know, hey, you know, pretty good start there for the kid. But, uh, you know, you, you give up a couple of hits and you compound the situation with the wild pitch and allows an unearned run to score. We get out of the, the inning, and really after that, Mississippi State pitching, for the most part, kind of kept grambling at bay. You would expect that. He said, well, Steve, you know, we're, we're in the SEC. Now, these midweek games that sometimes can be a little bit interesting. I think you guys know that. You guys are smart baseball fans. You understand we can't take anybody for granted. And the target on our backs at Mississippi State never been bigger. Everybody wants to come in and prove themselves because, number one, they expect Mississippi State – uh, to be an RPI climb for them because State is going to be a team that does well in the RPI, a team that is expected to host this year. So if you get a win over Mississippi State, whether it be in the midweek or the weekend, uh, that's going to be big for your own postseason resume. Bottom of second, State finally gets a base runner on uh, at, with two outs. You know, LT grounds out, Hunter Hines flies out the center, and then Brad Cumbus walks, and then Downs pops up to short. One of the only times that Downs has been a lineup that he didn't make really solid contact there. A top of third, we open up with a walk to Burrell. And a lot of time for young pitchers, that becomes kind of a you know, harbinger of things to come. Not really the case here. They bunt him around, and then we pick him off. Caught stealing there. And, again, you know that's, that's Luke Hancock behind the plate. You, you say, well, Logan Tanner is a guy that's pretty legit back there, too, one of the best catchers in the country. And, again, it just shows, speaks to State's depth that uh, we can have Luke Hancock catch in the midweek. But also, too, that's his future. His future is as a catcher, and he'll be a guy that'll get into minors and hang around for a while, and then we'll see what happens. But uh, giving him some reps not only allows him to showcase his skill, but it saves some wear and tear on the knees of the very capable and talented Logan Tanner. Another walk issued in the ending, and, and they're threatening here. Now you've got, uh, you know, another two-out runner on here, but we get the ground out, routine ground out to short uh, to get out of it. So, again... You know, we start here and we start making some plays, but the reality of it is, you know, young Jack Walker, despite the fact that uh, he was ringing up some Ks, struggled a little bit with control here and put a couple guys on. We were able to race one of those uh, with the caught stealing. And it's a team game, right? I mean, it really is. Sometimes you have a guy that misses a, misses a pitch, doesn't execute, and all of a sudden you're able to pick him up here with, uh, with the caught stealing. But, again, two walks in the inning, able to kind of get around that. State again, one, two, three there in the third. That's offered Forsyth and McGowan. McGowan, K's looking. Not a lot of K's for Bulldog uh, hitters last night. And some of that is due to the soft tossing lefty. You know, he does just enough to keep you off balance to avoid, to keep you from barreling up a baseball. It's rare in uh, Division I baseball that you see a guy consistently throwing in the mid to high 70s at max effort. Now, he was not one of those guys, too, that really muscled it up there. This guy could really pitch. There are a lot of guys that light up the radar gun, uh, that throw a lot of a below, but it's flat. There was a lot of break and move and sink to what he was doing. And uh, as a result, we're grounded out and popping out a lot. Not a lot of solid line drives the first time through the order. 
Walker settles down. You know, of course, in the second, he has a wild pitch. In the third, he has a pair of walks. He gets one, two, three, and strikes out the side here in the fourth. Now you're thinking, okay, kid, let's go win a ball game here. Bottom of four, Cam grounds out. Luke pops up to short. And again, this is what we talk about. A lot, a lot of inconsistent swings. Not a lot of competitive at-bats here for State. And a lot of it's just because, you know, they're, they're on their front foot. It's difficult to stay back when the guy's throwing a 77-mile-per-hour fastball. And sometimes he would spot that change up there around 66. You don't see that a lot in college baseball. Logan Tanner uh, rifles a single to left field, and then Hines strikes out looking. And Hunter Hines is going to be a great player for Mississippi State. Did not do much uh, last night. A top of five, Jack, still in the ballgame. We get a K swinging. That's four in a row. We get a fly out to right, and then there is an infield single. Uh, we just couldn't complete the play there. You know, it's like we make a play that they considered even reviewing this thing, but they didn't. It was a bang-bang play at first, and Burrell did beat it out. We get a ground out to short and get out of the inning. Uh, bottom of five, Brad Cumbus comes up and gets a K-swinging. A pretty good at bat here, but not one that uh, ended with a good result. Then we get Downs a single up the middle, and I think at this point, with Kellum Clark struggling and Downs putting the baseball in play with greater regularity, I think that's your right fielder. That makes the most sense to me. I think you have to have him uh, in the lineup right now because he is a guy that uh, is barreling up to baseball. Slate offered then singles up the middle, allows Downs to go to third. He actually hesitated a little bit coming around second, but uh, was able to get in there. And then Lane Forsythe, great situational hitting here. You know, Lane's a guy at times that struggles at the plate, especially with the outside pitch. I think there's just something in his field division where he thinks that ball is away and it's not. But in this situation here, Lane plays good team baseball, and we've had difficulty really elevating uh, pitches at this point. But Lane does a good job, goes down and gets one, and uh, flies out to right field, allows the run to score, and now it's a tie ball game. And at this point, like all of you, I felt a whole lot better because it felt like, you know, we ever going to score here. But, again, look at the guys putting the rally together. It's young guys. It's Downs, a freshman. It's Slate Offord, a freshman. And then Lane Forsythe, a sophomore. You know, and those guys in, in, that, in those roles are going to have to produce. It can't all be to the top three in the order. And so, again, here we are in a very competitive ball game. And you've got young guys stepping up and making some plays to play. Not a lot of plays, but we made just enough. We put in Von Siebert for McGowan, and he strikes out swinging and uh, maybe overswinging a little bit there, trying to do maybe a little bit too much there. Uh, top of six, we bring in Parker Stinnett. And I'll be honest with you, when we did, I was a little apprehensive. I was like, man, you know, Parker's been all over the place, and it usually takes him an inning to settle. You know, it takes him an inning sometimes to kind of settle in. And we needed that this time, too. But we were fortunate, able to get out of this thing without any damage. But we give up back-to-back singles to start the inning. And I know all of you were thinking, oh, my gosh, here we go. That's what I was thinking. Uh, They get the bunt down and get runners to second and third with less than two outs. And you're thinking right here, anything, basically, any ball put in play outside of the infield is going to get the run home. And you might even scroll on a ground ball. But rather than having to deal with all that, Stanett really started to spot up the slider. Did a great job backdooring with the slider, throwing the slider for a strike and getting some swing and miss. And what does he do? He strikes out Gardner and Mack to strand both runners. At this point, I think we all breathe a very healthy sigh of relief. Bottom of six, State again trying to figure some things out here, trying to get the guy out of the ballgame. 
Cam James grounds out the short, and that was kind of a consistent theme with Cam. Cam was hitting the baseball, but again, just kind of beating it in the ground. And again, that's what happened. There's so many things with hitting mechanics, you know, staying balanced, uh, giving an aggressive, authoritative swing with a level plane. It's difficult to do that when you have a guy throwing with such low velo and good sink, and that's what happened. Hancock then works the count for a walk. LT flies out to right, and then Hines grounds out to first base. And, uh, you know, even though we had the walk, we never really threatened in the inning. A top of seven, again, Parker Stinnett out, gets a ground out to second, walks Ardoin. There is a sack bunt there, which brings up, I believe, the number seven hole hitter, Hatton. And then Parker gets him to strike out swinging. And at this point, I think most people probably felt like me. It's like, you know what, hey, if Parker can go in here and do this and make the big pitch with runners in scoring position, you're starting to see the maturations. This back-to-back innings where he's had a runner in scoring position and he's been able to get a strikeout uh, to end the inning. Pretty impressive stuff right there. A bottom of seven, and I was listening to Jim Ellis and Ron Polk uh, call this, and uh, what a a joy it is. You know, sometimes you're around. But the reality of it is, is the – you know, you know, Jim Allison is the best college baseball broadcaster in the country. Ron Polk made a great observation here during this bat. Cumbust up there battling, and it's a changeup, misses low. Polky says, hey, I wonder if he'll throw the changeup here. Because, you know, Brad at times is a guy that struggles to pick up spin. This time he bounces the changeup up there, and Polk says, hey, Hey, Jim, do you think he'll test him with another changeup? Well, he does, and he leaves it up, and Compass knocks it out of the ballpark. His third home run in three games, guy's starting to figure it out a little bit. <laughs> He's starting to figure it out. It's crazy to think about this. You know, Brad Compass, the mule, was signed to be a tight end at Mississippi State. Right? Dan Mullins, the guy that offered him. Brad Compass uh, commits to Mississippi State. says, hey, I'm going to play baseball too. And he's like, hey, sure you are, Brad. Sure you are. I don't think anybody ever expected Brad Compass to consistently play at Mississippi State. And now he's in the lineup every single day. He wins the starting job late last year. It was a platoon situation for a while. He wins the starting job. And now he's leading the team. It's incredible. Brad Compass with a solo shot and, again, three consecutive home runs. All three of those home runs have either given Mississippi State the lead or expanded the lead. And then there's Downs, again, doubling down the line. Two back-to-back really, really solid hits, and that chases Boudreaux from the game. They bring in Abdul, who uh, he was throwing 82-83. We bring in uh, Jess Davis, who does a great job. This is one of the most prolific base stealers in all of college baseball. Jaeger flies out to right, and then Davis steals third. And you're thinking, okay, base hit here. We have a runner at third with less than two outs. We need a productive swing. We talked about Lane last time doing a great job elevating one to allow the run, the tag, and score. This time we can't get it done. We strike out swinging here. And really anything other than a pop-up, we're probably going to get the run home. Those are big at-bats. They're all big, but when you've got a runner at third and less than two outs, you've got to find a way to get a ball in play. We, did, we didn't succeed there. And then Matt Quarter grounds out the short. It's a 2-1 lead now. Stay finally with a lead. And you start thinking, okay, who is going to finish this thing up? Well, we keep Stanett in the ballgame. And he has, you know, perhaps, I guess, his best inning of the game. State gets the lead, and then he begins to bear down a little bit. We get a K swinging and then a K looking, and then a routine ground ball to short. And now all of a sudden, 
Grambling's down to three outs. They have led pretty much throughout this ball game, and now here they are at the end needing to find a comeback with just three outs. Would have loved to have had an insurance run, and I'm thinking, okay, with the top of the order coming up with a pitcher that's throwing a little bit more pace, maybe we have an opportunity here uh, to get the big insurance run. We don't do it. Cam James, K swinging. Luke flies out to center. Logan Tanner flies out to right. And then you're like probably like me. Well, we're going to bring somebody else in. No, no. We stuck with Parker Stinnett. Maybe that's a risky proposition at times after he's already given you three solid innings, right? Well, you bring him back out there, and again, he had had the big inning in the eighth. It's even better in the ninth. Even better in the ninth. Page strikes out swinging. Uh, Valoy Jr., a pinch hitter, strikes out swinging. And then you get Frederick to strike out swinging in the ballgame. And this is a spectacular job from a pitching standpoint. Now, the hitting, atrocious. One of the things that I've learned, though, and we're going to... Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Let's face it, friends, we live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y dot com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having the outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. You that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight camera. You can see who's at your door. 
You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. I'm going to do a little history lesson here today. When we play a lot of these midweek games, and a lot of times, too, it's the HBCUs. You know, they have some guys at times, they have some, you know, some Latin players. They have people that uh, don't always have Max Velo, but they're guys who have learned how to pitch. Listen, guys, even though there are some teams that struggle on the Division One level, everybody's got a couple pitchers. And it always seems that we see these soft-tossing lefties in the midweek against some of these uh, HBCUs, and we struggle. You say, well, Steve, we should always win 17, 18 to 1. Well, I agree with you, but it doesn't always work out that way. Let's go back just a little bit here. I just want to kind of frame this up for you a little bit. Uh, last season, you know, we beat Jackson State 7 to 3. That game was still very much in doubt in the later innings. You know, we had to score a couple runs there in the eighth to put that thing away. And it's a similar situation. Uh, and, you know, they come in here. They actually threw Galatis against us, who was their best pitcher last year uh, there in the midweek. But this is a game, too, that uh, a lot of people thought, oh, we'll win that game 20 to nothing. Well, we didn't. We won it 7-3. to three. Brandon Smith did a great job for us that day. But you win the ball game. Hadn't always been the case, though. Let's go back to 2020. And sometimes we forget that year because of the fact that we didn't have a postseason. We didn't have an SEC schedule. So State jumps out to a 2 nothing lead on Texas Southern. They come back and score three in the second. We tie it in the bottom of the second. So it's a 3-3 ball game through three innings. And they put up four in the fourth inning to take an 8-3 to three lead. And, guys, we did almost nothing the rest of the ball game. And we lose to Texas Southern, 8-4. to four. Maybe you'd forgotten about that. Texas Southern was 0-9 when they came to Mississippi State. And I think maybe perhaps the fact that we didn't play the postseason – we have kind of elected to forget that. They came in here and won the ball game. One of the worst losses in the history of the program due to the quality of the opponent. We were number four in the country and five and one going into the ball game. We lose and we're five and two. We're five and three right now. <laughs> but Texas Southern, a winless team, comes to Duty Noble Field with a soft toss and lefty, and they beat us. Let's go back, uh, you know, the year prior. Texas Southern came in here much later in the year. We were number three in the country, 32 and six. They were, we were 31 and six at the time. Uh, they were 11 and 25. And it's the same situation. We are scuffling and scuffling and scuffling and scuffling this ballgame. We get a one nothing lead. They tie it in the third, and then that's it until the eighth. Finally, in the eighth, we erupt for four runs to win the game five to one. And so I, I say that to say this. You know, a lot of people are ready to kind of hand out some indictments on the team. You know, there are some teams that are going to come in here with a good plan. 
they're going to do what they can to kind of slow you down. And, and maybe you've forgotten that 2019 team. Uh, yeah, guys like Jake Mangum, Jordan Westbrook, Tanner Allen, Elijah McNamee, Justin Foskey, Rowdy Jordan, Josh Hatcher, Luke Hancock, Dustin Skelton. You know, we, we had some dudes on that team. And sometimes that's just baseball. Now, and the thing, and this is later in the year. I mean, you guys, we're, we're 38 games into the year. And it took a four-one, a four-run rally in the eighth. You had to put that ball game away. That's baseball. And I know people are like, oh, William, Steve, this is not always true. No, that's baseball. I'm not going to sit here and tell you this is a big win for us. It's not. It, it's a big win because it is a win. This, but it's not a quality opponent. I mean, you know, but the reality of it is, is these are Division One baseball players too that are going to come in here and. Uh, they're much more excited to play us than we are them. That's the thing I think about, too. The first game of a, you know, five-game week, and you're going to play a lot of different guys. And we played a lot of younger guys last night, too. And uh, I'm not going to say it nearly cost us because those guys obviously, you know, sparked the rally to tie the ball game. And, of course, you know, Big Brad there with the big home run, uh, you know, to, to give us the game-winning RBI. But the reality of it is is that, We've got to go out ready to play. We've got to be focused. We can't be looking ahead. Oh, we're going to be in New Orleans this weekend. Oh, we're going to be in Biloxi. I'm going to be gone away from my girlfriend for seven days. You know, you, you can't look at life that way. Because Grambling's coming in here thinking this is a season-defining ball game for us. If we can find a way to win, it means everything for us. Now, of course, you know they're, they're probably going to have to win the swag to get in the tournament. But these are the kind of games you print T-shirts for and you, you put in the yearbook and that sort of stuff, and it becomes one of those things that uh, everybody's awfully proud of. It's not a big deal for us to beat them. It's a big deal for them to beat us. And so they come in there with that mentality. And I think, you know, to be honest with you, I think we kind of slept walk a little bit to the game. Maybe our focus wasn't right there. But also, too, it gives your Corey Boudreaux a lot of credit for keeping State off balance. The, you, know, you had a home plate umpire, too, that appeared to have a little bit of elongated strikes on. And that was for both teams. I'm not going to sit here and say it's not. Uh, but there was, you know, he was calling strikes, sometimes half a ball to a ball off the plate uh, for both pitchers. But we win the game. And that's, that's what the fight song tells us. Win the game today. We've won the game. Let's put us in the rearview mirror and get ready to go play uh, a good Southern Miss team. Real quickly here, kind of looking at some numbers here. Just five hits in a ball game for Mississippi State. Uh, nobody in the top four had a base hit last night. Drew McGowan, well, I guess that's not true. The, the top three. Top three, the top third of the order uh, didn't didn't have much to show for the night. That's the truth. Luke, Luke Hancock with a walk. That's the only offensive output in top three. Uh, Logan Tanner gets one single that we don't give much, to, and, and uh, Hunter Hines 0 for 3. So you look at your top five hitters, one hit – among a top half of the lineup. And then Brad Compass gets a walk in the solo home run. And Aaron Downs, two for three. And, again, that guy's got to stay in the order. He absolutely has to stay in the lineup. Now that he's available to us, this is a guy that's making play. I don't, I don't know that he shouldn't be higher in the order. Doing a great job. And that's the thing, too, when I think about the youth of this team and the fact that you've got so many guys coming in. I mean, you look at Von Siebert barreling up baseballs. Didn't last night. This is a guy that's swinging the bat well. Hunter Hines, guy's going to be an absolute stud for us. Didn't hit the baseball well last night, but he has already kind of acquitted himself really well. Then you add Aaron Downs here, Slate Alford. And it's like, you know, we talk about, you know, is this sustainable? Answer to the question is yes, because of the level of which Chris Simonis and his staff are recruiting. 
You know, I, I read some of these uninformed opinions out there at times that say, well, you know, you know Chris is doing it with everybody else's players. And there, there's some of that, too. Yeah, obviously. You know, Tanner Allen's the guy that committed to Andy Cannizzaro. Rowdy Jordan committed uh, to John Cohen. Cameron James committed to John Cohen. You think, well, Steve, it's been a long – yes, it's been that long. You know, Luke Hancock's another one of those guys who committed very, very early. And so there's a mix of that. But then you go look at what we've got on the field now. You know, who do you think who Hunter Hines committed to? Right? Who do you think Slade Offord committed to? You know, so Chris Simonis is recruiting at a level that maybe we have not really seen at Mississippi State in a long time. Maybe if ever, to be honest with you. I don't like to be caught up in recency bias. But when you look at the fact that – I mean, look at our teams historically. As great as we have been at times, there have been a lot of holes in a lineup, especially in the bottom third. When you begin to look at what these young guys can be, possibly this year and beyond, you begin to realize that, hey, we're doing a great job bringing in a very solid brand of baseball player. I don't think there's any question about it. Now, we're going to play a team tonight, another team that really wants to beat us really badly. And they should. It's been a while since they've done so. But, uh, you know, Southern Miss, a quality baseball team, uh, to say the least. Let's take a quick look at the Golden Eagles to kind of get you ready for tonight. I'm excited about tonight, um, not just because we're you know, getting a chance to get on the road a little bit, and I love seeing the Bulldogs on the road. Duty Noble Field's the greatest place in the world, but uh, I love going out and watching the Bulldogs play and covering those games on the road. So we'll get a chance to do that, and uh, you know, it won't be too terribly long before we get ready to hit the road. Uh, so Southern Miss 5-2 and two on the year. Uh, they open with a three-game sweep of North Alabama. And, and again, not a lot of, uh, you know, surprise with that. You know, 8-1, 7-3, 14-1 type games. They lose at Pete Taylor in the midweek to South Alabama, who has a good team, uh, probably, you know, probably going to win that conference. South Alabama, you know, a really solid mid-major program down there. They get a 6-5 win over Southern Miss at Pete Taylor Park in 13 innings. And then this weekend, uh, the Golden Eagles take two of three uh, from Jacksonville State. They lose the Sunday game uh, of the weekend. And so those guys are going to come in because here's the reality. As great as that team is at Southern Miss, and maybe great is pushing a little bit, it's a great program. It's a really good team. Uh, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, those are the measuring sticks for for those those kids. Many of those guys uh, felt like they should have been able to play in the SEC, and maybe they should. Maybe they should be able to play in the SEC. Uh, but the bottom line is they're, they're not. And so they sometimes have kind of an axe to grind. They come out ready to play, thinking, I'm going to go prove these people wrong about me. We're gonna go, I'm going to show that we are a team that's capable of, of, of competing at the highest level and giving these guys uh, you know, some trouble. And so we should expect to get a great effort from them. I mean, that, we always do. And there have been some times, you know, you remember the beginning of the 2018 season, we went up there, and you remember how – vicious the crowd was you know there were a lot of southern miss folks that were there that uh had a lot to say you know we had ended their season back in 17 we, we went down to hattiesburg and and won the regional and i, and I still go back and i think about jacob billingsley and that complete game that he threw and what a great job it was and, and might have been the last complete game in, in program history at this point uh you know you, you don't get the the eric duboses of the world very often but Jacob Billings, it goes down there, and um, it does a great job for us. And we win that regional, and so they were happy to get us back at their place, and they embarrassed us. Proved to be the final uh, series of the Andy Canizara era here at Mississippi State. 
But, you know, we've had some issues before, you know, with Southern Miss. You know, we go down there, and uh, they tried to have Ron Polk arrested one time. Are you forgotten about that? No, true story. He gets ejected from a ball game, and they have campus PD. I, I don't think the cuffs ever actually went on, number one. But, uh, you know, it, it was not a good situation. We've had some time. We've gone down there when Lane Burroughs had uh, made the move from Southern Miss to join John Cohen at Mississippi State. Had some unruly fans down there that, uh, you know, gave them some issues. And so – but uh, it's going to be a spirited contest, to say the least. Now, a couple names to look at here. Uh, Reese Ewing is a guy that's off to a great start for the Golden Eagles. He's hitting 500, and that's 24 ABs. I mean, it's not like he's just, you know, he's a pinch hitter. This is a guy that started all seven games for them. Uh, eight hits, a couple dingers, a double, uh, an outfielder for them out of Mobile, Alabama, a junior guy, 5'10", 191 pounds. And where's number 38? To so be looking for him. Uh, leads the team in nearly every offensive uh, category. Uh, 12 hits, uh, eight runs scored, which is a team high. The two dingers are also a team high. They've only hit four as a team, and it's going to be difficult to hit one out of Trustmark Park. This doesn't work out that way very often. It's, it's you know, If you hit one out of there, you're, 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 you've done your push-ups. And then uh, six RBIs also tied uh, for the team lead. And, and, again, this is a team that's had some gaudy scores against some inferior competition. Uh, Jackson Fristo expected to pitch for Mississippi State tonight, so that'll be interesting. Uh, Slade Wilkes is a guy, too, that uh, been at Southern Miss a little bit, too, and he's from my hometown of Columbia, Mississippi, played at Columbia Academy. Uh, that's a, a solid baseball program there, but uh, I've got some former teammates, including a guy named John McNeese, that do a lot of lessons down there. Uh, the quality of baseball in Columbia is really good. We won a state championship at Columbia High School a few years ago uh, in baseball, but Slade Wilkes is a guy that uh, – had some uh, Power 5 interest elected to stay closer to home, uh, a guy that can really play, a guy that can really, really play. And so this is going to be a very athletic uh, outfield. They're going to be able to run some things down, and it's a big park up there too. And that's one of the things that worries me a little bit about us at center, you know, is how are we going to handle that at center? You know, does quarter have the range to play center in this big ballpark? And one interesting stat, too, to point out about Southern Miss is they are 0 for 4 this year in stolen bases. Not really very aggressive and not really doing a great job. Probably some busted hit and runs there. But they're not a team that really runs the bases maybe like some other teams we're going to play. But the bottom line is you got to go throw strikes. You go throw strikes with a defense make plays behind you. Again, this is a team that doesn't have a ton of power playing in a bigger ballpark. And so you can probably be a little more challenging with the fastball. Maybe go after some guys because the risk-reward is, is, is in your favor. You go, you go chase them because they're probably not going to hit it out of the ballpark anyway. But, uh, yeah, this is a solid Southern Miss team. And um, I, I've always felt like, you know, when we go play Southern Miss, we, we kind of learn some things about ourselves because they are an NCAA regional caliber team. Uh, before we move on, let's award our, our player of the game. Uh, so the Fresh Shrimp player of the game brought to you, of course, by FreshShrimp.com. They're a relatively new sponsor of the show. If you're unfamiliar, let me tell you, go by and check those guys out. That, there, there are three flavors available. You've got the Alfredo, which is fabulous, over like maybe a bed of uh, fettuccine, noodle, fettuccine noodles. You've got the, the Simply Seasoned, and then you've got the new one, the Louisiana Crab Bowl. And I'll be honest with you, I've I tried all three. The Crab Bowl is my favorite. I like them all. I think the Louisiana Crab Bowl uh, is, is a little bit better. You know, they're all good. But that one's number one for me. 
And here's the deal, too. You're thinking, Steve, I, I love to do shrimp, but it's just so much trouble. You know, no, you don't have to peel them. You don't have to devein them. All that's done for you. This is a company that's been in business uh, since the 1940s, so it's not some fly-by-night company. And here's the deal. They have this ha- handy little pouch. They'll ship it to you. It's very well packaged. You don't have to worry about, oh, they delivered it in the morning, and then I got here, and then the shrimp was in bad shape. No, it's very well packaged. Uh, probably could leave it out there a couple days if you had to. I don't know why you'd want to, but you could. And so you get that pouch, and all you do is just drop that pouch. You open up the pouch, and you pour it into the uh, boiling water, and the shrimp are done in about 10 minutes. So no messy cleanup, no messy prep. It's all been done for you. Visit them today at primeshrimp.com and use promo code BONEYARD to save a, little, uh, f- a few bucks off your first order. Be sure and use that uh, to save yourself uh, some bucks. You'll be glad that you did. And our prime shrimp player of the game, we're going to give it to Parker Stinnett. How about that? And, and we had some options here, even in a bad ball game. Could have very easily just said, hey, let's give it to Brad Cumbus. And Brad was our, our player of the weekend. Uh, but, you know, Jack Walker, a guy, too, that went out there, even though he didn't factor in a decision, was outstanding. Uh, could have gone that direction. I just feel like Parker Sinnett is a guy that uh, you know, took a solid step forward yesterday. And let's look at his numbers real quick here before we move on. Uh, I, I think, you know, in order for State to get to where we want to go, you know, we're going to have to have more than three quality relief pitchers. We're going to have to have some guys and go out there and eat up some innings, especially in these weeks when we play four and five games. And that's a bigger thing in this thing with Parker Sinnett is with four more games to play this week, by him going four innings – Four shutout innings, mind you. Uh, that saves another arm for tonight against other Mets. Parkerston, at four innings pitch, allows just two hits. Has the one walk, strikes out eight. Faced uh, 15 batters total. Got four ground outs. And, uh, you know, really just did a good job of kind of keeping them settled. And these are low, these are not low-pressure innings. You know, he comes into a ball game, and next thing you know, it's, uh, you know, there's no margin for error. And while he had a little bit of trouble in the first couple of innings, he settled down. And uh, outstanding effort from Parker, and we need him to be good. All told on the night, Mississippi State pitching strikes out 16. How about that? 16. Outstanding effort from Jack and from Parker. But again, Parker, Stinnett, our fresh shrimp, our fresh shrimp player of the game. And you can find those fresh shrimp at Prime Shrimp, the Prime Shrimp player of the game, primeshrimp.com, promo code uh, Boneyard. Let's get into today's top 10 list brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, CloseWithBlair.com. Blair is a good friend of mine. He will be a good friend of yours as well. Be sure and check him out at CloseWithBlair.com. Here's the thing, too. There are so many people that maybe are a little bit scared of the mortgage lending industry. And there have been some sharks out there. There have been some subprime lenders that charge a bunch of fees and basically – uh, kind of take your hard-earned cash from you. But the reality of it is, is you know, Blair is a guy that is a mortgage professional. This guy's been in the industry 21 years. Works at Fairway Mortgage, uh, a company that has just done amazing things, putting up huge numbers when it comes to closing, second in the industry, and number one in customer satisfaction. And Blair, of course, is a guy that wants your business. A lot of people would love to have your money. Uh, Blair wants to have a relationship with you. Blair is a guy I've known for a long time. He's an honest person. I wouldn't do business with people that weren't. His phone number is 601-500-2344. 601-500-2344. You say, hey, Steve, that 500 prefix, that sounds like a cell phone. What absolutely is? Because, you know, we're all kinfolks around here. 
you know. And so you jump on the line here and you talk to Blair, you text him, you call him and say, hey, listen, Blair, I need to refinance and get my equity working for me. I've got a wedding to pay for. I've got some home improvements to do. I want to put a pool in. Or maybe I just need to consolidate some debt. Maybe I don't need to add anything. Maybe I need to eliminate some things and pay off some of this high interest credit card debt. Blair can help you with every bit of that. Or maybe you're looking to buy a home for the first time. Maybe you're somebody that's been turned down in the past. Blair has seen it all and done it all. He has dealt with every non-conforming atypical borrower out there. So be sure and reach out. Let him know you heard about him on the boneyard, and he's going to pay for your appraisal. That's about a five to $600 value. That's a pretty impressive incentive. That's a guy that clearly wants your business. So give it to him. Again, that's closewithblair.com. All right, today's top 10 list, Roy reminds me, we have not done Event Sevenfold. So we're going to do Event Sevenfold today. Now, here's the thing, too. Uh, this is not for the delicate ears. All right, let's just go ahead and get that established. If you are a person that back in the day listened to Power 108 and they said, we're going to have the Power 108 power pack with New Kids on the Block and Debbie Gibson and some other dude, this isn't for you. But if you're a rocker, if you're somebody that likes to raise your fist to the gods of rock, this is for you. Now, I have met these guys. Uh, thanks to our, our good friend Ed, who was a former tour manager with Chinedown. Uh, had a chance to see these guys in Tupelo. Chance to visit with him. Shadow is for a little bit, who is the lead singer, Matt, and an outstanding voice in rock music. And uh, a lot of people were kind of late to the bandwagon on these guys, and so was I. Like, I, you know, the, the, you know, you know, sounding a seventh trumpet didn't really hit my radar. I'm, I'm a serious octane guy. But all of a sudden, I kind of got on them, you know, a little bit later. Uh, and I, I love these guys. I've seen them live a handful of times. Um, saw them in Tulsa, Oklahoma with a bullet from a Valentine, uh, thanks to my friend Mark. Uh, it was a great, great, great weekend. I love going to Tulsa, Oklahoma when I can. It's, it's a good place to go. And, and matter of fact, if you're in the area, if you are ever thinking, okay, well, Steve, what should we do? You know, go stay at the Hard Rock. I love that place. And there's a thing, too, about the Hard Rock, and I want to spend a lot of time talking about this. There's a smell there that is unfamiliar to me, and it's kind of unique to that. And it's because of the, like, the, the purified air they have in there. It's like I think I breathe and sleep better there than anywhere in the country. They've got those expansive suites. And uh, I love going up there because you know, they got the blackout curtains so I can sleep there at 1 o'clock in the afternoon if I want to, um, which I don't get to do very often. But, uh, yeah, if you're ever up in that neck of the woods, go check those, those guys out. And, uh, again, i got a lot of good memories in Tulsa, Oklahoma, for sure. Uh, and going to see a Vince Sevenfold headline the tour was one of them. All right, so here are some honorable mentions, and I have several. Uh, Carry On, that's, that's from the video game they've done, if you're unfamiliar with that. Uh, Little Piece of Heaven, The Stage, which is the uh, title track of their more recent album. Uh, this Means War, Shepherds of Fire, and Welcome to the Family. And you say, well, Steve, those last three could be, probably be top tens. And you know what? You're right. And that just goes to show you how loaded this top ten is. Going back to the Waking the Fallen album, and uh, if you're creative enough, you can understand that they used the, uh, the first three letters as an acronym for something else. Uh, so Waking the Fallen. Uh, the, the best song on that album is Unholy Confessions, and that is one that they continue to play live. It is one that the fans expect to hear when they go see Event Sevenfold, Unholy Confessions is one that absolutely rips. The guitar is fabulous. Uh, number nine is Afterlife. This was a big hit for them, and maybe for me it was a little bit overplayed. And it was on Rock Band, and you know, so I heard it a lot. 
because uh, we played a lot of rock band. Me and me and Ani played a ton of that uh, when he was at home. And uh, matter of fact, last time we went up to visit with him, we played it again because we're rock band people. Uh, but Afterlife, number nine. Number eight, and this was Event Sevenfold's shot at a country song. How about that? It's very, very different. It is unlike anything else in the catalog. But it was a huge hit for them. It's Dear God. And it's, you know, it's like when I'm away, you know, you look after The only thing I ask of you is to, to protect her when I'm gone. It, it's a great song. It is a little bit corny because you've got a heavy metal act kind of singing to a country music tune. But uh, it's great. And I think, I think M's uh, vocals on this are fabulous. So, dear God, number eight. I know some of you wouldn't have that in your top ten, and that's okay. I love you just the same. Number seven, I love the percussion on this one. I love the way it opens. I love the way it ends. Uh, it's the song Scream, and it's off the self-titled album. And you have that big scream to open. This is just one of those songs that absolutely will get next to you. It's just It's different. There are a lot of people out there playing rock music. I think Event Sevenfold does it better than most, and I think this is a good example of that. Number six, the video featured the fabulous Elizabeth Melendez, um, and this video is extremely well done. So if you're a person that likes me, like me that likes to watch the uh, rock music videos on YouTube, uh, be sure and check this one out. It is from the City of Evil. It is Beast and the Harlot. Love this one. Love the guitar on it. Uh, Sinister Gates is absolutely fabulous on this song. Uh, and this, you know, City of Evil was one that really brought Avenged Sevenfold to prominence. All of a sudden, they start getting a little buzz out there, and they pick up some uh, good opening slots and some big tours. The next thing you know, Avenged Sevenfold is headlining. How cool is that? Uh, you know, so back when I met these guys, the Rev was still the drummer. Uh, Jimmy, and he died of a drug overdose, sadly. And uh, the band continued disbanding, didn't know how they would carry on. Uh, Mike Portnoy, formerly of Dream Theater, leaves Dream Theater and joins up with these guys to record the album. He and Rev were great friends. They had a lot of mutual respect for each other. Uh, Jimmy, the Rev, had already written the album. So Portnoy goes in and basically plays what Jimmy has written, and he was a primary songwriter in the band. Um, and supporting her goes in there and kills it. And the song that was kind of dedicated uh, to Jimmy is so far away. It was a big hit. A lot of people were like, the song gets played all the time. Well, it's because people loved hearing about it. And uh, there was a time we didn't think we'd hear Vince Sevenfold again. Number four, and this is kind of a, a personal one, I guess you could say. This is one of those songs you sing with your chest. You know what I'm saying? And we talk about, you know, hey, there's some great lyrics out there. Like, if I was to dedicate songs to people, this is one of the ones that I would dedicate. And it would be to people that I don't like. And there's not a lot of them. But it's not even necessarily about personalities but principles. There are some things in life that I don't really agree with. And there are a lot of people out there that, um, you know, use people you know, for their own good. You know, the people themselves... Um, will, will be sacrificed for a cause that perhaps they don't believe in. And uh, a lot of that is, you know, government-related. I'm not going to get into politics and sort of stuff, and that's one of the things we talk about. It's like, you know, they're, they're, in this song, you know, they're, they're, there's, these privileged, there's this privileged class that, uh, you know, want kids that they wouldn't have cut their own grass uh, to go fight for them. You know, and it's just it's incredible to me. And this is one of those in-your-face, if-you-don't-like-it-I-don't-care type songs and there have been times in my life this has been my favorite of In Sevenfold Song. It is the track Critical Acclaim. 
critical acclaim. Number four on the list. Number three, and this is probably the song that really roped me in uh, to Avenged Sevenfold. I love the way it opens. I love the percussion on this. I, I love, uh, lyrically, I think it's great. I think the delivery from Matt is fantastic. It's Bat Country. Bat Country from the City of Evil album. So there were some changes in the lineup, of course, after the Rev left. And um, Evan Sevenfold put together this great album, basically kind of based on the 80s. And it has some 80s rock elements in it. They were big Guns N' Roses fan. And you know, there's some songs like uh, Doing Time that's kind of written in the vein of Axl Rose and Guns N' Roses. And like some people were critical of Evan uh, Sevenfold for recording this album. They said, hey, it's basically them ripping off everybody else and doing a bunch of covers. There were all original tracks, everything. But they basically kind of you know, paid homage to some of their influences. They kind of performed and wrote these songs with some elements that, uh, you know, to, to provide, I guess, some, some glory and, and inspiration to other people and to kind of say thank you to the people that inspire, inspired them. And from that album, which is fantastic, Fantastic came this absolutely wonderful song. It's Hail to the King. Absolutely love this track. There, are, I, I could easily have made this number one, and probably made uh, you know, made good sense. But Hail to the King, and I love every track on that album. If, if you're unfamiliar with the catalog, that's where you start. In my opinion, you start there. Uh, the the self-titled album, fabulous. City of Evil, outstanding. But I think Hell of the King is probably the one that a lot of people uh, can listen to uh, that maybe, maybe you're not quite ready, you know, for, uh, for sounding a seventh trumpet or anything like that. But uh, this, this will get you going. If you, if you just like good straight-ahead rock with a bit of an edge, the Hell of the King album is, will, will uh, scratch that edge for you. But number one for me, and again, this is uh, the, the debut single off of the first album without the Rev on drums. And again, uh, the Rev was a guy that sang backup vocals and a guy that wrote a lot of the songs. And to be honest with you, I think some of the material that has come out uh, recently from this band, you can tell that uh, some of Jimmy's songwriting is is missing. I, 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 the stage album, I thought was just okay. I think it's just okay. Uh, and that's, I guess, their third full album without Jimmy. But of course, uh, this album with, with number one song, Nightmare, was uh, primarily written uh, by Jimmy the Rev. And so Nightmare is number one. And it's interesting, too, Ian, my youngest, this used to be his favorite song, and there is a line in there that uh, he's not allowed to say. And so we changed it to It's Your Brother's Nightmare. It's Your Brother's Nightmare to make that a little more PG-friendly. So he had to sing those lyrics. Uh, Not that I sang the offensive lyrics in front of him. But you know how young people are. They hear things on the radio, they repeat them. So we had to have a little parenting about this. And you'd say, Steve, what kind of parent are you? I'm a cool parent. I'm a great parent. Go look at my record with my children. My children are fabulous. Uh, but yeah, they grew up listening to Avenged Sevenfold. So how about that? So stick that in your pipe and smoke it. How about that? Maybe your kids should listen to Avenged Sevenfold. I'm not that I'm looking to adopt any. But uh, my kids have been raised on music, and uh, it's what we do. We go out and we go to shows and we enjoy music when we're together. We enjoy music when we travel. Uh, maybe you see life a little bit differently, 
But Avenged Sevenfold, one of my favorite uh, modern rock bands. Be sure and check them out. If you don't know them, get to know them. They're absolutely fabulous. And uh, M. Shadows, a guy too that, uh, you know, really kind of started out screaming a lot and then kind of learned to have some tone in his delivery. And uh, his, I think City of Evil was probably, that was the turning point in their career. You know, when he got really serious about uh, being a singer and not just being a yeller. And I think it shows in the work. So there you go, Ben Sevenfold. If you have uh, ideas for the top ten list, reach out and let me know. I'm happy to do them. I don't know how we waited this long to do A7X. But uh, here we go. Calendar box, uh, kind of a lukewarm reception. I'm, I'm kind of surprised by that too because so many of you are 90s rock fans. You know, you love, uh, you love all the Soundgarden, Alice in Chains stuff. Don't make me do a Nirvana list. Please don't. Don't do that. Don't, don't do it. It would be like torture. But I know many of you enjoy that. I know you do. Um, but, yeah, so if you've got ideas, reach out let me know. I'm happy to, to, uh, to consider your ideas. Sometimes you guys ask for bands that I'm really unfamiliar with, and then I'll still listen to them. Like I pull up on uh, on Apple Music the essentials for that band, and I'll listen, and it just doesn't work for me. And I think you know what I'm I'm gonna I don't want to disrespect anybody, any, anybody's favorites, and uh, go out there and do a port. And some people have offered, well, Steve, I'll give you the list. Well, if you give me the list, it's not my list, right? And it's my show, you know, and it's my bit, and so I got I got to do it. And uh, I appreciate your your passion for your favorite artist, but. Uh, if you get an idea, reach out, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll consider it. And uh, Roy keeps the list, and you can find Roy on Twitter at Dogmatic. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. And uh, he'll share those Spotify lists, and our good friend Izzy Mandelbaum will follow that up on that tweet with a iTunes list. Be sure and check those out. All right, time for our basketball preview brought to you by Campus Bookmart. If you had not been to Campus Bookmart lately, you're missing out. I always like going in there because the atmosphere is so great. Uh, the people are so friendly. The merchandise is maroon and white, which is what I'm looking for. You know, if I'm not wearing a, you know, a band shirt, I'm wearing Mississippi State gear. And so I would encourage you to go in there and find your Mississippi State gear. They have the latest and greatest in all Mississippi State merch. Uh, Stan and Man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. Everybody there will do such a great job for you because they care. You are who they care about. And these are people that have been doing it for a long time. There are a lot of people that kind of come and go. Campus Bookmart is an institution in Starkville. Go by and check them out. And if you can't make it to town, let me encourage you to visit them on the World Wide Web, courtesy of Al Gore's Internet, at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. It's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. You know, the sun is shining. Uh, we're starting to get some warmer temps. Kids are growing. It's time to start thinking about that duty noble game day wear for everybody. Kids are probably outgrowing everything from last year. They probably need another NAFL championship shirt, to be quite honest with you. And buy yourself something while you're there. And don't forget dad. Don't forget dad. You know, it's like sometimes we get so caught. And, and let me speak on behalf of all the dads out there. Listen, we work hard to provide for everybody. And we want to make sure that everybody kind of gets a lot of what they want and, every, and all of what they need. But you know what? It'd be nicer once in a while for somebody to maybe surprise us with a gift. You know, it's like, hey, here's a gift for just being cool. You know, maybe I don't have to do anything for it. Maybe I just come home one day and it's just like a package there for me. And it's like, hey, dad, thinking of you. 
here's a shirt. You know, you, you can buy me socks, you can buy me boxer shorts, all that kind of stuff. And, and you know, that, 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 that's lame. You know, buy me a Mississippi State shirt. Buy me something that maybe you know that I'm going to like, but I'm not, probably not going to buy for myself. So let's not forget Dad. Take care of Dad. You know, Father's Day is going to be here soon. But let's not wait till then to show Dad that we love him. Order him a Mississippi State shirt today, today, at campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. That gets you free shipping on all orders, over 50 bucks. And if Dad, think about all the money Dad has uh, wasted on you over the years, right? You know I'm telling the truth. And how many times maybe you went in there and uh, when he wasn't looking and maybe you slipped 10 bucks out of his wallet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's time to pay that back. Do it today, campusbookmart.net. And I, and I want to hear. I, I, I want to hear, hey, Steve, you're right. You guilted me into it. I bought my dad a shirt. You should. You lazy bum. No, I'm kidding. I love you guys. But, yeah, take care of dad. I'm speaking on all the dads out of there and, and around the world. And right now there are some dads in their car and in and, and the sound of my voice that are pumping their fists and said, Steve, you're right. I'd love a new shirt. I'd love somebody to just do something randomly for me. You know, it's like I'm, I'm charged with doing that for everybody else. i got to pay for Christmas every year. least I can do is get a new shirt to wear. Give me an M over S shirt. This kind of surprised me out of nowhere. Nobody does it for me, I can tell you that. Nobody does it for me. So i got to buy my own shirts. So maybe, maybe, maybe your dad won't feel so, uh, you know, unappreciated. Go buy him a shirt today. All right, let's move on. Uh, it's uh, basketball season still here uh, for a little bit longer. And uh, we're going to play Auburn tonight. And as I mentioned in the opening of the show, a lot of talk that they're going to bring a ton of fans over here. And, yeah, I'm a little worried about it, to be honest with you. I, you know, I expect to lose a basketball game. But at the same time, too, it's like, you know, they're going to come over here and take over our arena. I, you know, yeah, I'm going to be embarrassed. I, I, I am. I'm going to be down in Pearl covering the team. And um, it's, it's not a good circumstance. You know, because I would say over half of our fans that are, like, considering going to a Mississippi State sporting event today are headed to Pearl. You know, that's a place that holds, what, 13,000? It's going to be a big crowd down there. And so it's going to pull some away from our basketball. So there's going to be more tickets available. And uh, somebody said, hey, I hear Auburn's bringing a bunch of folks. I said, well, we'll have room for them. And it's sad that we're in that situation. You know, it's like what we should be thinking is, hey, we're playing for something. You know, we are still in the mix for something. We have a chance to play, you know, the top one of the top five teams in the country. And so it's a great opportunity for us. But I know, as sure as I'm sitting here, that anybody given the choice tonight is going to opt for baseball uh, in Pearl. And, and not that right now we're just completely fired up about baseball. We should be. Uh, but, you know, we, we've, we've kind of labored at times at the plate. And so, you know, I get it. You know, but I, I think people are going to say, you know, what, I want to go out and see them. And your kids want to see him too. I know this. I used to be one of those kids. I know. It's like, hey, we've been planning to go to this game. I want to go out there and see my guys. I want to have a chance to, you know, to go watch the the, uh, the Bulldogs play in my backyard. I'm sure we'll see, uh, you know, John and Stacey Mangum too. They'll be there. But uh, this basketball thing tonight could get ugly, and not just on the court. When, that's the thing, too. You, you think about those TV shots and that sort of stuff, and there, there's going to be a bunch of orange and blue in there, and I'm sure whoever's calling the game is going to mention, hey, look, Auburn has turned out for this game. They love this team, and it's going to be in our arena. It's rough, man. It is. And we'll see. 
We'll see what happens. Uh, I, I have liked this Auburn team all year long. I mean, they are very athletic, as you guys are well aware. Uh, but let's kind of look at what they've done here as of late. They will end uh, the season this weekend, senior day at home against South Carolina. Uh, I'm sure Auburn's thinking there right now, hey, we got a chance to close out this thing really strong here. They're 25-4 and four overall and 13-3 and three in the conference and still chasing a SEC championship. Got two winnable games down the stretch. Could end up 15-3 and three, uh, in the league and 27-4 and four overall headed into the tournament. Pretty incredible to think about. We haven't seen them this year except on television. Hadn't had a chance to play them. Let's look at what they've done here as of late. They have not been nearly as dominant as of late as you guys. I mean, we jump into the SEC play, and, and if right out of the gate, these guys are playing exceptionally well. Uh, they, they blow out LSU at Auburn. Then they go to South Carolina and beat those guys by 25. Uh, they beat Florida fairly handily at home by a dozen. And then they, they go into Tuscaloosa. They win a tight one with uh, Nate Oates and their crew. But they get the big dub. And then they go to Oxford. And actually, you know, Ole Miss should have won the game. Just couldn't close. And then they blast Georgia by 23. They, they get Kentucky uh, by nine. This is a really good Kentucky team, too. Uh, they go to Mizzou and struggled but win by one. And that's when people are like, wait a minute now. What's happening with Auburn? Oklahoma, they beat those guys by, what, 18 in the SEC Big 12 Challenge? Then they blast Alabama by 19. They, they narrowly win at Georgia by two. Then they lose at Arkansas. We talked about that earlier in the week. Blow out A&M, uh, get Vandy by 14. They lose at Florida by one. And this is a Florida team. Michael White's a guy that's kind of under some pressure, too. I think he's probably okay, probably going to make the tournament at this point. Uh, they get Ole Miss again. And Ole Miss, hey, Ole Miss hung in there and competed for a while, too, even though it was a 77-64 loss uh, for the Rebels. Then they go to Tennessee and lose by five. And so, you know, they're, they're still chasing this SEC championship. And so you begin to think, okay, we're going to get their best effort. They're on the road. They're trending down the stretch. Uh, they have a half-game lead over Auburn, over Kentucky. Kentucky now 13-4 and four in the league. Auburn is 13-3. and three. So Auburn just needs to win these last two, and they're going to be the SEC champions. It's as simple as that. So we are not going to – they're not going to overlook us. There's no, there's no chance of that happening. They're going to come in here ready to go. Now, you look at it and say, well, Steve, they lost uh, two of the last three and three of the last six, and that's true. Not as dominant as they have been. And a lot of that's got to do with, uh, you know, point guard play. Uh, but this is a terrible matchup for us because they're going to get out and run. We're going to try to grind it out in the half court. I just don't know that we can dictate terms to them. I don't know that we're athletic enough uh, and match up well enough to make them play our game. If we can keep this game in the 70s or less, maybe we have a chance. But I don't think we have much of a chance. That's the thing when I look at this. I, I just I hate the matchup. They're going to get out and run, and they're going to be able to shoot from the perimeter. Let's take a quick look at the, uh, the Auburn numbers here. Uh, outscoring the scoring margin for them, 12.2. Averaging 79.1 points per game, allowing uh, 66, uh, almost 67 points there. The, I, I, I may just be speaking out of turn here. I, I think they're going to beat their average tonight. Uh, shooting, shooting it pretty well as a team, 44.5%, uh, 73.5% from the free throw line, which is pretty good. I mean, there's a reason you win. And it's when they give you a chance to, to knock down some baskets and some free throws, uh, you got to do it. Uh, Three-point percentage is uh, pretty average, I guess you'd say, almost 
Rebounding, they're doing a great job on the glass there. It's a plus 4.3 for them, uh, 40 per game. Uh, assist, that's a plus four, nearly four and a half for them. They turn the ball over a little bit. Not as much as you'd like, though. Just 350 turnovers as a team, which is 12, 12.1. And they're forcing nearly 15 a game. So, again, that's a plus, nearly, nearly plus three for them. Uh, they'll get after you defensively. They have some steals. They gamble at times uh, in the passing lanes, getting more steals, more blocks, everything. And the blocks are double. That's a pretty outstanding statistic. 239 blocks for Auburn. Opponents just 110. That's pretty crazy to think about. They're contesting shots. They're doing a great job in that respect. All right, let's take a look at uh, you know kind of the straws that stir the drink. Uh, Jabari Smith, number 10 in the uh, order for them, a freshman forward. And how about how about that from Sandy Creek High School? A guy that's come out here and done a great job for him. Shooting nearly 42% from three, averaging 16.6 points per game. Get out there and mix it up on the glass, too. Nearly seven boards. KD Johnson. Started 26 and 29 games, a sophomore guard, uh, originally from Hargrave Military there in Atlanta. Six foot, 204 pounds. And this is another guy, too, that's, that's scoring at a pretty higher level. 12 and a half points per game. Shooting just under 31% from three himself. Uh, Wendell Green has kind of been their sixth man. 12.2 points per game. Out of Detroit, Michigan, a young guy, sophomore. Impressive hair game. Um, Alan Flanagan's a guy, too. It's been uh, kind of a role player for them. Walker Kessler, sophomore from Noonan, Georgia. Seven foot one, 245 pounds. Big guy in the middle. This is a guy, too, that, that again, will kind of get after you a little bit, too. You know, the Alan Flanagan thing is interesting, too, because, um, you know, this is a guy, too, that um, hadn't played a ton, I guess, you know, probably about half the games. But, uh, you know, he's a guy that is, you know, you know, making some things happen for him. You know, not a prolific score, I guess you could say, but a guy that's out there eating up minutes and playing good defense for him. Uh, but, again, you know, it's pretty, pretty balanced lineup, and that's what's scary is when you have teams that can score from four or five spots on the floor, it's difficult to double-team anybody. It puts you in a negative situation. You know, you ha you're basically stuck in man-to-man, -man, and we have proven we're going to play man-to-man -man defense uh, under Ben Howland. That's just what we're going to do. That's what we specialize in. That's what we want to do. And if you can beat us in that respect, then you're going to beat us. But we're not going to get out there and, um, you know, switch a lot of defenses. And maybe we should. You know, uh, here's the reality of this is, um, you know, theoretically, could State make the tournament? Yeah. Are they going to make it? No. No, they're not. You know, you win tonight, you beat A&M, and then maybe you go make it to the finals of the SEC tournament. You know, maybe. You know, maybe. Maybe you sneak in. But it's, it's not going to happen, though. It's just not realistic. And I go back to the schedule. We've talked about this, you know, several times. And you can kind of see it happening. You know, it's like we had that the crucial five-game stretch. We go one and four. The only win, of course, is, uh, you know, the win over South Carolina. So we sit here at 17 and 12. And the thing that I wonder, too, is like, you know, there are a lot of people that are not invested in Mississippi State Athletics. They're going to have an opinion uh, about this situation. It's like, okay, well, 
what if State loses to Auburn and then beats A&M on the road, which would make us 2-8 and eight on the road. It would be our, only our second road win of the year. Let's say we go 18-13 and 13 and 99 in the conference, and people are like, well, what does Mississippi State people expect? Well, we expect to make the tournament. You know, it's almost disrespectful to us to say that we shouldn't want more. I think our fans all agree we want more. And the reality of it is, is that we all wanted Ben Howen to win big. I remember talking to he and his wife the day that he was hired and saying, hey, how much fun it's going to be when we beat Kentucky in here. It's going to be a blast when we do something major like that. And we're going to do it. And we didn't. We didn't do it. And I don't think it's due to lack of effort. It just hadn't worked out. You know, there's no, there's no underlying issue. I mean, you're, you're not going to hear people say negative things about Ben mistreating kids or anything like that. I mean, you talk to enough people, you can hear whatever you want. But, you know, Ben's very well respected on campus. He, he absolutely is. He just hadn't won enough. And sometimes that is as simple as it is. And, and here's the, 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 the crux of the situation is that's, what, that's the job. That's the gig is you got to go win games. We're not winning enough. And so it's like, oh, okay, well, uh, yeah, so we're 18 and 13 and 99 in the league. If we happen to win one of these last two, you know, well, what do you guys really want? We want to win. We want to go to the NCAA tournament. We don't think being 500 is enough at Mississippi State in the SEC. We should never be satisfied with that. And we play in a very competitive league, and it has been better as of late than it was, you know, even in the, the late Stansberry years. There was some time we only get, you know, three or four teams in the tournament. But, you know, the league has done a better job scheduling non-conference, and so as a result, you know, we're getting a little more traction in the RPI. We're getting more teams into the NCAA tournament. And so Ben has had to compete against a very competitive SEC. But at the end of the day, that's an excuse. It's true, but it's an excuse. You know, we, we didn't hire him to, in order for us to be advocates for the SEC. We hired him to win games for us. And uh, it's so interesting, too, there are – there's people that have these varying opinions about things, and I've had some people that have accused me and say, oh, Steve, you know, you've kind of made fun of Ben Howland. I've never made fun of Ben Howland at, at any point in my life. I respect Ben Howland. I respect the career that he's had prior to getting to Mississippi State, and I respect the efforts that he's had at Mississippi State. Uh, do I get frustrated at times when we lose games? We shouldn't. You better believe it. You absolutely better believe it. Just like all of you, I rise and fall like the rest of you. You know, when you're high, I'm high too. When you're low, I may not be as low as – some of you, I think some people like to get down in, I think they're comfortable, you know, down in the mud. Uh, I, I like to get out of the mud as quickly as I can. Uh, but, you know, we, the bottom line is we, have, we haven't been bad. We haven't been terrible. You know, and, I, and I'm very grateful to, for Ben Howen for uh, you know, returning some respect to our program because the Rick Ray years were awful. We, we illustrated that on the last show. And and Ben's done a good job getting us back to a point that I think allows us to hire a successor that can take us to the next level. I just believe Ben has taken us as far as he can take us. Got no ill will in my heart towards Ben Howen or anybody on that staff. But my loyalty is to Mississippi State. I want Mississippi State to win big in every sport. And I know that that is not realistic, but that should always be the expectation. We should never just say, hey – we just want to put a team out there. And for, for decades, we did that women's basketball. We did. We just kind of put a team out there. We didn't put any money behind the program. We didn't make a commitment to it. And sadly, you can say, you know, in, in the infancy of women's sports, and we, didn't, we, we, we were kind of behind the rest of the league. We didn't invest in it. We didn't. And now we have. 
We've gotten some good results. I mean, you look at, we put a little money into the volleyball program and we go hire uh, Julie Darty and look at what we've done there. It's incredible. Now all of a sudden people are turning out to go, you know, years ago it would just be like friends and family. They would go to the games. Now we've got record crowds up there. And, and that's what we've seen, you know, with on the women's side and women's basketball. You guys have proven that you will turn out and watch women's basketball. Even, even in – and maybe some years that we weren't competitive for championships under Vic Schaefer, you turned out. You did. I just don't think that we have the same relationship on the men's side. And one of the things that I'll give Vic Schaefer a lot of credit for, this will kind of lead into you know, our final segment of the show too, but, uh, you know, Vic made everybody feel part of it. You know what I'm saying? Vic made everybody feel like they, if they didn't show up at the game or they didn't watch the game, that somehow they failed the program. You know what I'm saying? Like, you had an investment in this. You had a role to play in this. Vic was like, hey, I'm counting on you guys. I'm counting on you to help bring us through. I'm counting on you to turn out and make the Humphrey Coliseum the most difficult place to play a women's basketball game in the country. You know, that, that was the expectation. And on the men's side, I just – I don't think we have that same esprit de corps, I guess you could say. And, and I think people have shown that. You know, that they've stayed home. And, and even, you know, a couple of years ago with 19, you know, we, we put a quality team on the floor and we didn't get great crowds. And we got off to a good start this year, and then we started losing. And it's like, well, I'm done with that. So things have to change. You know, it's simple as that. We're not winning enough. We're not packing out the arena. Uh, I, and I just don't think there is a lot of emotional buy-in to men's basketball among our fans. Now, there are some, and there, trust me, we have some guys on the jeanspage.com basketball board. Uh, they are extremely invested in Mississippi State men's basketball. Extremely. It is their favorite sport. And their frustration level probably exceeds the casual fans because they know what Mississippi State has been and could be and likely should be. Uh, and so, you know, we see it all the time. If you have a take they disagree with, you know, hey, 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 hey. And I get it. I admire the passion. I absolutely do. And sometimes I get caught up in the collateral damage. You know, it's like sometimes you, you get caught in the crossfire out there a little bit. That's okay. And it's something that bothered me. You know, but the reality of it is, is that, um, you know, we're just not where we need to be. And we're going to play A&M on, uh, later this weekend, so we'll preview that game on Friday. But uh, I think we're really looking at a tough night tonight. Uh, I really do. And that's the thing, too, that, you know, I just think about the visual, you know, Bruce Pearl and them coming in here and, and, and possibly winning a lopsided game with their fans outdrawing our fans. And if you wanted – that could be an incredible snapshot of kind of where we are as a basketball program. And, again, it's not personal. It's all principles. Let's thank our good friend Brooks Bryan. This is a guy that's a man of principles. Brooks Bryan, the group that uh, done a great job at Portico, Maybe you're unfamiliar, and, and maybe you should familiarize yourself. Say, hey, Steve, one day we're going to move to Starkville. Now's the time. Do it now. What are you putting it off for? At least go ahead and get some plans, make, get some information, begin thinking about what's next. And whether, maybe this is your retirement home. You're like, hey, I want to be there, Steve, because I want to go to all the women's basketball games. I want to go to the men's games. I want to go to all the baseball games. That's what I want to do. I, I want to live in the big maroon bubble. Well, you can. You can. You can live 1.1 miles away from the center of the big maroon bubble at Portico. Very easy to get to, easy access, 25, 82, and 12. And the best thing about it is, is you're on the quiet side, like you're out there kind of away from campus, closer to 82. 
but you're tucked away in a neighborhood out there. Very easy to get to. Take 12 off of 82. Take the very first right. Pat Station Road to take you to Portico. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home. Go up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. Uh, make it your primary residence at some point. Or maybe you're just thinking, hey, Steve, this is where we go for ballgame weekends. We've got a place. A lot of people like, oh, we got a place in Starkville. Well, make this your place in Starkville. Uh, give Brooks Bryan a call today. He'll do a great job kind of uh, filling in the gaps and kind of letting you know what's next. Uh, construction for Phase 2 uh, underway now. Phase 1 completely sold out. You guys did a great job. Uh, so give Brooks a text or call today at 601-416-8075. Again, 601-416-8075. If I was moving to Starkville now, this is where I would move. Make Portico your next move. All right, let's uh, look at the women's side. Uh, you know, women, again, it lost five straight. And, uh, you know, I have, been, I have been very, very candid about this women's search. And so I'm going to give you some information today uh, that is, in some respects, kind of conflicted with, with some things I said earlier. And I'm, there, this is an evolving process. Uh, Doug Novak has basically coached his way from basically being, you know, the guy that uh, – runs practice, and helps us survive the season to being a bona fide candidate. Now, is he the leading candidate? No, I do not believe that. But I know many of you have been very supportive of Doug, and I think that matters. I think it does matter. I know some people are saying, oh, you know, well, I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I think the support that we've seen from the fans and, uh, and from the players in some respects, I, I do think that matters. I think that does factor into the decision. Now, I'm not saying that we should ever go conduct, uh, you know, a fan poll to make an administrative decision. I've said that with you guys before. Uh, But Doug Novak had a lengthy interview earlier this week, and it was not a token interview from what I'm told. I sat down, what would be your plan for Mississippi State women's basketball moving forward? What are the details? Who are the people involved? How are we going to handle this? You know, very exhaustive. And I understand, again, you know, talking to people kind of close, closely affiliated with the search, it was a full panel interview. It wasn't just like uh, he and John Cohen sitting across the desk on each other just kind of chewing the fat. You know, it was a formal interview. So Doug is very much a candidate. Is he a preferred candidate today? I, I don't know that I would go that far. But I also wouldn't rule him out. And so I think at this point he remains a viable option for Mississippi State. I'm told he does want the job. Uh, and I don't know that maybe he didn't in the beginning. You know, maybe he comes here and is like, hey, uh, you know, let me just kind of handle this this year, and then we'll see what the greener pastures look like. But I think, you know, at, at some point, you know, he and the ladies have found some currency. You know, they have found a way to build a relationship. Now, and, and here's the thing, too, that I'll say. I, the, 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 the players going out, you know, uh, promoting, the, you know, the coach, a lot of people say, well, hey, you know, they should have some say. I, I think – I don't think a team should ever pick their coach, ever. But that said, it would be irresponsible uh, to not at least talk to them and let them feel like they had a say. Let them speak their piece. And I understand that's going to happen. Now, and, and here's the thing, too. There's always this whole concept of, you know, you know, it's the devil you know versus the devil you don't. You know, it's like, well, we know what we have with Doug, but what if we had something better? And sometimes you don't think about that. We all fear change. Most of us do anyway. It's like, hey, you know, I'll just make do with what I got. Uh, that's not to say that Doug would not be a good coach for Mississippi State. That's not at all what I'm suggesting. But there may be better options out there. And so it is John Cohen's responsibility to go out there and vet those options and see. And this is a process that's been going on now basically for four months. Uh, 
And so it is kind of narrowing down. Well, the men's side, of course, we don't even have an official opening yet. That search is not narrowing down. While there are some preferred candidates, I believe, at this point, I think John Cohen uh, owes it to himself and to this university to be very patient with that hire because I think once a change is formally announced that you're going to have new candidates enter the conversation. Uh, just like we did in baseball. You know, it's like, we, it's like hey, we, we have these names and we thought we knew, and then Chris Simonis uh, is a guy that, that you know, pops up a little bit later in the process, and then it happened really quick after that. And so I think, again, the women's search, very, very close to wrapping up. The men's search is not. And that's the thing, too. Uh, if we are going to make a change on the men's side, and I don't think there's any way we don't, you know, we could have a coach that uh, plays deep into the tournament. And so fans need to be patient. It's not going to be a situation, okay, well, the SEC tournament ended today. Where's our coach? It's not going to happen. Take a deep breath. And I know people are going to get antsy. And, again, I, I said this on Gene's page, and some people didn't interpret it the right way, and that's okay. You know, I, I can't worry about that. But there are going to be a lot of people out there that uh, have some things to say with confidence. You know, they say, hey, I've talked to so-and-so, and you never know who they're talking to. They say, hey, this is what I believe to be the case. And then if that doesn't happen, it's like, well, what's going on? I thought this guy was our guy, and that may not have been our guy. I think it's just important to let things play out, let things play out on the men's side. And the women's side, I, I, don't, I think we'll know sooner rather than later. And, you know, if I'm, if I'm John Cohen, it's like the sooner I can get the women's basketball coach search put to bed – you know, the sooner I can give all of my attention uh, to the men's basketball search. Now, here's the thing, too, that I think, you know, maybe it's different at other schools. You know, women's basketball is no longer just something else we do here. There is a tremendous emotional investment in women's basketball with our fan base. And who knew that we would love women's basketball as much as we do? But we do. And so we want to get back to hosting the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament. We want to get back to going to the Sweet 16 and beyond that. That's what we want. And so you can't just go hire somebody to hire somebody and say, okay, I've got that done. And that's why I think John Cohen has to be very careful with this. Not that anybody, I think, is ever going to be in any jeopardy for a women's basketball hire. My point is, though, with our fan base, we've got to get the right individual to lead this program back to prominence. And we've had a couple lean years around here, and all of a sudden we're like, well, I, is it over? Come on, is it can't be over. I had so much fun. And that's how we're, we're ready to get back to that. There was so much enjoyment and, and joy uh, from women's basketball down you know, the last couple of years with Vic Schaefer. I mean, you know, we were so incredibly excited to think, hey, well, here's what's next. And then we go out, and you know, Vic leaves, and we're all disappointed, and we hire Nikki McCray-Penson, and we're all very hopeful because she had an amazing resume and an amazing pedigree, and things just didn't come together for us. And then she has some health concerns and has to back away from coaching. And then all of a sudden, Doug Novak, just kind of like, in some respect, it's almost serendipity, that here's a guy that uh, you know, has made a name for himself on the men's side, is uh, hired as an assistant offensive coach uh, after we have had a ton of turnover on the women's side. And then he ultimately ends up being the interim coach this year. And I know many of you support that. But – here is my thing. If we go out and hire a sitting head coach that brings in their own staff, that's likely the better alternative for us. That is not a shot at Doug Novak. You know, Doug is going to have to put a staff together. I mean, basically, we have had some people this year that are just kind of standing in and helping and have done a tremendous job kind of keeping this thing together when it could have absolutely, you know, rolled downhill into oblivion 
It says a lot about those individuals, and it says a lot about Doug Novak. And, and, but here, at the end of the day, if you can't get the home run hire, let's say you can't go out there and get, you know, we've talked at length about, you know, several coaches over on a jeanspage.com message boards. If you can't go get the proven established winner with a proven system, then maybe it's better to stick with Doug Novak because you know what you got there. You know the guy is an honorable guy. You know a guy that is not, not scared to make a decision. It's a, a guy that does some some really good things on the X's and O side, especially offensively. This is a guy that knows how to motivate. You know, the recruiting aspect of it's where that that's the concern. Is can we get players? Can we? And people say, well, go out there and just hire some assistant coach. Not, it's not that simple. I mean, this isn't okay. A lottery ticket. This is people are going to have to uproot their families and move. And it's like, okay, well, I've got a guy that was the interim coach. Um, how long is he going to be there? Mississippi State fans uh, expect a lot. Uh, so is he there two years? Is he there 20 years? And so that's the risk you run. And that's the thing that you wonder about is, does he have the relationships on that side of things to be able to put a quality staff together? And, and you've got to – and Robbie Falk and I talked about this yesterday. you got to have one big game hunter as a recruiter. you got to have at least one. You got to have one person that, I mean, maybe that's their primary focus in life is to go out there and basically recruit. And you need some people, that, you know, of course, that can teach post player. And, you, and they, you know, what Charlotte Cole's done this year is incredible. It, it is. What a great job the staff has done. But can you put it together? And there are a lot of risk involved in everything. Now, we can't have another situation. We can't make it on the bad hiring women's side. We've got to get this right. And there's a part of me sometimes, too, I think, you know, you know sometimes the decision that is the simplest. It's not always the best. But when I began to think about, hey, well, I got to do the men's side too, you know, maybe the smart thing is to do is to give Doug Novak the job. Maybe it's a four-year deal with a low buyout or whatever, and if things go poorly. But, you know, what's, what are you guys going to say in two years? Like, okay, let's say, let's say we, we give you what you want, right? Well, the people want this. The people want Doug. Well, what if we, what if we find out two years from now that this wasn't sustainable? Where, where does the blame go then? Are we going to say, hey, you know what? Hey, guys, we picked the coach, so we'll take the flyer on this one. It'll be us. We'll take the blame. This is who we wanted. And those are the things that I kind of think about, too, the optics and all this. And, and I, I don't make optics-driven decisions. I never did as an administrator at any point. I did what I thought was best. But many times, you know, the influence of other people would say, hey, listen, this makes sense to, for everybody involved. Okay, let's do it. That's the simplest decision. And sometimes it worked out, sometimes it didn't. Such is life, right? Uh, but here we are, and uh, you know, we, we have a basketball game to play. We're going to play Kentucky. And I'm worried about the game, to be honest with you. I, I just don't know what to expect. Because these ladies, you know, they're, they're exhausted. They are absolutely exhausted. And there's only seven of them. So we're going to play tomorrow night uh, at uh, their Bridgestone. I hope, I hope we can win the basketball game. I, I don't think it has any bearing on the coaching search, win, lose, or anything. I mean, I think we'd go out there and get beat by 50, and it wouldn't change anybody's opinion of Doug Novak, right? I mean, I think everybody sees the situation for what it is, is that we, you know, we have had some ladies that have, that have given everything they have to try to win basketball games. And this Kentucky basketball team is playing the best basketball of, of the season. You know, when we played them earlier this year, 
they had lost four in a row, and then they beat Alabama by four. And the next thing you know, they get that, that sparks this late-season surge for them. They beat Bama by four. They beat us by seven. And, again, we ran out of gas. They beat Vanderbilt by four. They get Arkansas at Arkansas by 23. Then they take down Missouri by 15 at Mizzou. And you know what a difficult place that is to play there at the zoo. And then they just absolutely destroy Auburn on senior day, 90 to 62. And so we are getting a team that has already defeated us that is playing better. So it'll be interesting to see how Doug and the staff put together a game plan here. But again, I don't think this game has any bearing on the coaching search one way or another. I think if you want to hire Doug, I think some people would support that. If you elect not to hire Doug, I think people would support that too. I think at this point, I, think I, th- I honestly think our women's basketball fans at this point are probably a little less opinionated than on the men's side. And what I mean by that is I think people are like, hey, you know, listen, I just want to win. I don't have to have my favorite coach. I don't have to go pick the winner. I just want to win. And if it's Doug that can help us win, then I want to hire Doug. And if we don't think it's Doug and we think it's somebody else, then that's what we should do. Uh, and so – the, the reality of this on the women's side is, uh, honestly, we never expected to be in this situation. I mean, if we're all being honest with ourselves, did we ever think at this point that we would look at Doug Novak here on March 2nd and say, hey, maybe we should hire that guy? In the beginning of the year, we're thinking we're just trying to survive the season. And now many of you are like, hey, I'm okay, I'm okay to give this guy a couple years. you know." And so those are difficult decisions that your administration has to make. And I can assure you they're not taking any of this lightly. And you matter. Your opinion matters. It does. I mean, you're the ticket-buying public. And so, you know, that's not to say that um, we're going to conduct a Twitter poll of the fans and let them pick the coach. But I can assure you that there's nobody involved in this process that's sitting around thinking, ah, don't worry about the fans. No, you guys are always uh, very much in the thoughts and considerations of everybody at Mississippi State. You guys are the customers. So let's get out of here, and uh, we'll be back on Friday. And uh, next week's a really, really busy week, and I have to do some shows on the road. Of course, uh, I'll be headed down to Tulane uh, on Friday. Probably, probably even record the, uh, the Friday show Thursday night so I can get on the road quicker, get on down there, check in the hotel, uh, kind of know the lay of the land, that sort of stuff, and then uh, and get on out of there and, uh, and go cover some baseball. Eager to see that baseball facility at Tulane. I know you guys are as well. Hope to see many of you out there. And, again, I'll be at Trustmark Park tonight. And, again, there will be some books there. You'll be able to to get signed books at the College Corner Tent uh, at Trustmark Park tonight. And it is a limited supply. So uh, probably 75 to 100 books, something like that. I know there's going to be thousands of fans there. And so if you want a book and you don't have a book and you're going to beat the ballgame, come by and get them. Um, And if not, you know, you can get them elsewhere. They're all over the state. But – Eager to see this ball game tonight, and uh, again on the on the basketball side, you know, it, I hate to say it, but uh, I'm I'm afraid we're in for a tough night. But man, what a big win that would be for Mississippi State if somehow Mississippi State could find a way to win that game tonight. No matter what happens the rest of the year, that would be a tremendous win for us. All right, well let's uh, let's get out of here. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live. <laughs>